Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian, our weekly podcast where we talk about the latest in book news, book discussions, and more. My name is Nick Wasiliev, and I'm the social media specialist here at Booktopia, and I'm joined today by Liv Frico, our content producer and editor of the Booktopian blog. Hi, Liv. Hi. Ashley Berry, our campaign coordinator. Hi, Ash. Hey. And uh, Mark Harding, our brand and content manager and uh, normal host. I've stolen it again, Mark. I like that I'm the normal host in playing, but you are the abnormal host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just want you know I had to, like, just say hi, thanks. I nearly went to call you Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can see the resemblance. It's un it's uncanny. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I will not put. <laughs> Um, so first we'll dive into some book news as always, and then we'll dive into our book recommendations. And then at the end, be sure to stick around until um, when our guests will go head to head in a battle for book supremacy that we like to call book fight. And I am terrified, terrified about today's episode because the two people who dominate it every single time they're on are going head to head against each other. Which is, which of course, I'm talking about Ash. You are terrifying. <laughs> Scare the bejesus out of me. Oh my God. Every time I'm hearing it. I got one point last week. I'm going high. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, first up, we'll talk into book, dive into book news. And we're going to start with a bit of industry news with Ultimo Press, um, which was launched uh, around about a month ago by former HarperCollins Australia CEO James Kello and Hardy Grant Chief Executive Sandy Grant. Um, with the aim of kind of being a Sydney-based uh, publisher uh, championing more Australian books. And in the last few days, they've made some very big announcements uh, with former Pan Macmillan and Picard or uh, publisher Alex Craig being appointed publisher and Robert Watkins uh, being appointed as, as publishing director. Uh, Liv, I'm going to throw to you for this one uh, because these are big names in the, uh, in the Australian book industry joining Ultimo Press. How do you... How do you expect it to kind of impact on the Australian book industry when they start releasing their titles next year? Um, I think it's a really cool move. Um, I've never met Alex, um, but I have met Robert a couple of times, and he's certainly um, a well-known personality in the industry, and I believe he's responsible for such books as um, Kokomo by Victoria Hannon, um, and also I think Song of the Crocodile by Nardi Simpson. So he's got... Yeah a great track record of kind of championing those Australian novels, um, Australian work. Um, and I think this is a really strong move. Um, it's a natural career step for him. Um, but also it's just good to see Sydney getting an indie press. Yes. Um, most of them are down in Melbourne. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I think this is a cool opportunity for him and for the industry in general. Yeah. I agree. I think it's 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 just interesting to see, you know, particularly with how with most of, with most of the publishing houses down in Melbourne, how this one particularly will perform in Sydney. Also, as a subsidiary to Hardy Grant, um, um, it it kind of is very much a, a statement of intent um, as they're planning to. I think they've got they're planning to do at least sixty titles a year um, and purely mm -hmm. focus on Australian books, which is is a really big uh, is a really big goal for a first year. It'll be interesting to see how that one goes. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next kind of uh, latest news we have is a whole series of book announcements um, ha have happened in the last week or so uh, with titles announced by Judith Lucy. We have Max Porter's new book coming, The Death of Francis Bacon, and uh, Lisa Tadeo's Animal book, which is scheduled for release uh, in, I think, July next year. Mark, which one are you most excited about? 
Um, I'm probably going to have to say Animal because um, I read Three Women um, and I really enjoyed that book um, for the most part. Um, and I think she's a really gifted writer. And this is a novel uh, as opposed to a work of, well, I guess, I guess, you know, Three Women is debatable, like where it actually sits in terms of storytelling. It's a novel-esque work of journalism. So I think transitioning into a, a pure novel would probably be um, something that, that makes a lot of sense for, for Lisa Tadeo. So that's probably the one that, that I'm most looking forward to. I'm also um, an uh, unashamed uh, uh, Judith Lucy fan. So, um, <laughs> I'll, I'm, I'm up for anything that Judith Lucy does. <laughs> Can I jump in and say I'm super excited about the Max Porter? Yeah, I'm, that's the one I'm most excited about. Yeah. Yeah. He's amazing. Um, like, I think we've raved about Lenny enough in Booktopia's fair in general. Um, but it's just such an unusual and wild book. And this new one by Max sounds like, I think... It's described as like a series of mini like written portraits of like seven stages of my like seven states of mind like as Francis Bacon was nearing his death. I'm really bungling this description, but it just <laughs> it sounds weird, and I'm sure that Matt Sport is going to knock it out of the park because he usually does. Yeah, I agree, and it's 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 so it's really exciting to see all of these new titles and stuff coming through, um, and kind of the last bit of news, uh, which will come as a surprise to no one, because uh, adaptation announcements are a dime a dozen uh, in this time, uh, in these in these days. Um, but it's been recently announced that uh, Daisy Edgar Jones, uh, who many will know as the actress who played Marianne in the adaptation of Normal People. Um, has uh, been announced that she'll be starring in the upcoming When the Crawdads Sing adaptation. Um, Ash, I, I know you've read Normal People, and I know you, I think you've watched mm -hmm. one or two episodes. Uh, are yeah. we excited by this? Is this a, is this a good announcement? Um, yes, I am excited because I knew they were adapting Where the Crawdads Sing, and I am one of those people who are who loved that book when I read it. So... The fact that um, we now have an actor named for it is a very exciting progress in terms of the actor. I have seen, I think, the first episode of Normal People and, you know, it's one of those situations where I probably wouldn't pick her to play the character, but now that she is and I see her, I can't imagine anyone else. So I think she'll be a really good fit for who the character is and I think it's actually in a way very similar to her normal people character. So I think um, just in certain personality aspects, I can see this fitting really well. And yes, it does make me excited because we're a step closer to getting the adaptation. Yeah, it is exciting. And I think it's also, uh, I mean, um, I, we can only really go off uh, off that uh, that performance in Normal People and, you know, mm. she was fantastic in that. Um, you know, I think she was like the, probably the standout performer. So I think it's really exciting. It's good mm -hmm. that, that Normal People show has been a springboard for her career. And I guess the next announcement will be Connell uh, joining a Marvel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think any of us will be complaining about that. <laughs> um, so that's the the latest in kind of in kind of book news. Um, and before we dive into our book uh, book recommendations, uh, we have a promoted book this week, and I'm going to throw to Mark. Uh, what is our promoted book this week? So our sponsored book is the debut novel from Nick Wasiliev. <laughs> I've never heard that name before. <laughs> what? 
The anticipation is building in the air and Chris can feel it. It's been over a year since him and his uni mates, Noah, Logan and Jock have been together in the same place. Finally, the gang will be back together. Finally, the beers can start flowing. However, as the night begins, it becomes clear that one of them is hiding something. Little does Chris know this night will take them down a dark path into the depths of each other's lives and the gambling dens of the Sydney underworld to places that will test their friendship to its very limit. A story of mateship, despair and redemption told in a Sydney not too far from our own, When Men Cry takes a sobering look at the world of mental health and masculinity, a world where dishonesty brings dangerous consequences and where the simplest things can be the hardest to talk about. So that is When Men Cry, the debut novel by Nick Vasiliev, which is being published on the 13th of November. Pre-order now at booktopia.com.au. Oh, shucks. Stop it. <laughs> Go on, bright red. Is that your book? <laughs> Sorry, bro. I don't know who this. I don't know who this Nick Vasiliev guy is. He's, he's, you know, always all this book stuff. I don't know who he is, but the book sounds alright. You should go and order it. You should. You should. <laughs> Basically, you can't work as Booktopia's social media person unless you're a debut novelist. Exactly. Yeah. For, for for everyone else, everyone else's context, the person before me, Bron, also has published a book out. You should also buy that one as well. Um, mm. Highly recommended. Um, so now we'll jump into our book recommendations uh, for the week. And I'm going to throw to you first, Liv. What books have you been sticking your head in and enjoying over the last couple of weeks? Oh, this is a great question. Um, I have three books to talk about, but I'm only going to really talk about two in depth or one really in depth. Um, I just finished Real Life by Brandon Taylor. I won't go too much into this because I feel like we've covered this ad nauseum um, in various podcasts. Um, but it's such a good book. Um, it's the story of a young gay black man called Wallace who's um, a postgraduate student. Um, and it just takes course, it takes place over the course of one weekend. As, and it's just very, it's just it, his father's passed away and he's kind of dealing with that loss, but also the kind of wreck of his childhood and also dealing, navigating his world with his friends and frenemies. Um, in this really highly charged academic environment. Um, it was beautifully written. Um, I was so impressed with this. Um, you wouldn't know that he was a debut novelist. I feel like that's a backhanded compliment because so many debut novelists are brilliant and then go on to build their careers on that brilliance. And I just can't wait to see what he reads next. It put me in mind of A Little Life by Hanyang Yanagihara. Mm. Um, but I think this one was a bit more nuanced. Um, it's an own voices narrative. Brandon Taylor is um, also black and identifies as gay, I believe. Um, and it just really captured that really like intense space of navigating the world as a gay black man. And there were just certain moments that your hackles were rising because he just describes these tense, hostile situations it's such like brilliant prose that you you really feel it as he goes through it. Um, the ending is it's one of those kind of unresolved endings which frustrate frustrated me a little, but I think that speaks more to my need to have a resolved narrative rather than any fault of the book. Um, really brilliant stuff. Definitely pick it up. It's shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it won. Uh, but yeah, so that's Real Life by Brandon mm. Taylor. Uh, last few days, I've been reading Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. I've been meaning to read this for so long. People rave about it. Um, it was a huge hit last year. Um, I can't remember. I think it was 
it might have been Waterstones Book of the Year. Either way, it had an amazing marketing campaign. At one point, there were like four different covers going around for it. Um, and I'm happy to say that the story actually holds up to this intense marketing campaign. Um, it follows a young woman named Queenie. Um, again, she lives in London. Um, she's also navigating the world as a black woman. Um, it's a lot funnier than the last book. Um, it's more of a like a blackly comic look at what it means to be a black woman in London. Um, she's dealing with kind of gynecological issues. Her boyfriend is awful. Um, well, they're on and off again, boyfriend. Um, and she's just trying to get by and, you know, just be enough for all the people in her life and all the things in her life. And you just want to hug her. You just want to say it's okay and make her a cup of tea. Um, but at the same time, it's really funny. Um, so there's times where you want to cry and there's times where you like burst out laughing because she said something like completely outrageous, um, but also really true. Um, I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad I finally picked it up. Um, and the last book I want to talk about is um, one that I've seen people, like I've seen everywhere on social media, people are talking about constantly. Um, and that's, I haven't started it yet, but I'm planning to dive into it as soon as I finish Queenie. Um, and that's Breasts and Eggs by Miko Kawakami. Mm. And it's described as a radical and intimate portrait of what it is to be a woman in contemporary Japan. So it's set in Tokyo where... Um, an older sister is returning to the city um, for breast enhancement surgery and she stays with her younger sister, Natsuko, and along with her sullen and silent teenage daughter. And it's just, again, it's one of those highly charged novels about the pressure of being a woman and, you know, occupying a female body in such a strange world. Um, it takes on issues of class as well. Um, it's been like raved about. Haruki Murakami has like raved about it. Um, I just I had no idea um, what it was when it first appeared on the scene. I remember it being sold into us. I'm um, just thinking, what on earth is that? Um, but I've succumbed to peer pressure, and I've picked it up, and I'm going to start reading it this weekend. I'm sensing a vibe. I'm sensing like a, a recurrent theme through all the books that you're reading at the moment, Liv. Like a, yeah. a lot of fascination with kind of uh, the non-traditional storytellers out there, okay. um, uh, particularly with Queenie. And I know that that's a, it's a, it, I think, is, is it, is, is Breast and Eggs a debut? I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. I've uh, heard, I've heard so many good things about this book and I've been <laughs> really wanting to dive to dive into it and yeah i it's i've heard yeah i'm really curious to see what your thoughts are on it when you finish it it's not a debut it's her first full-length novel she's written novellas and she's also a singer-songwriter in, in japan um oh, yeah. yeah she's won a shit ton of prizes pardon my french <laughs> So There's I, the language I, I for that one. Into that one. I'm just really keen to read it. Yeah, love these recommendations. Thanks, Liv. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to throw now to you, uh, to you, Ash. Um, so last week when we had you on, you were reading the first book in the uh, Patrick Rothfuss series, The Name of mm -hmm. the Wind. Uh, I know you you're jumping onto the next one, aren't you? I am. Um, welcome to part two of the uh, King Killer Chronicles journey I'm going through. <laughs> 
So I'm about a third of the way through the sequel, The Wise Men's Sphere. Um, still love it, obviously. So to sum it up, it's an epic fantasy. Uh, the format is we have our main character who in the present is retelling uh, his story in his own words, his journey from being a gifted child to going to university and learning magics, essentially, to now, I believe, Wise Man's Fear then takes that. Um, he's just left university where I'm up to and he's now on the path to become this notorious wizard hero that legends and rumours are written about him. Um, so, yeah, since last week, I can confidently now say that I think this is one of my favourite worlds that has been created in a novel. Um, I am a sucker for good world building, for laws that just make sense, for things that just you know, you can pick up without it being over-explained. And this has been created with such intelligence and care. You can really tell that the granular details have been thought out. You know, I understand how the currency works in this world. I understand the characteristics of people from all over the lands. You know, I, I get the social hierarchies. I understand how the university works. You know, it's, it's all this information that has just built a really rich and layered story. And that's one of the reasons why I gravitate to fantasy novels. So this is a big tick in my book, this series, um, especially this second one. It's really hopefully in the second and second part that I'm going to read, really just gets out there and explores the world. Um, this book is about 400 pages longer than the first one. So we're in just under a thousand, which is fine because um, it's, as consuming you know I'm constantly wanting to read it I have no idea where it's going you know I just I can't draw the link between what he's telling and where he ends up like what does he do I just I want to know and the journey is so much fun in this book you know the, the things he gets up to the the little chaotic pranks he pulls with his friends um it's just a really fun book which is also builds on that fantastical, remarkable journey, you know, that epic fantasy tropes that we like to see with heroes and magic and villains. And I think we had a dragon somewhere along the way. I don't know. I can't keep up, but it's, I don't want to say perfect, but it's really <laughs> close. <laughs> Mark, um, I, know, I know you're a massive fan of this series uh can you attest is can you attest to how amazing this is it, it is amazing i've only read the first book um so i like um wise man's fear is still like on my shelf i think you're saving yourself because since last week i've done research into this third book drama and i know i'm going to be so crushed and disappointed because <laughs> the second book started right where the first one left off so i know there's going to be something that happens at the end of this and we're already about 10 years past the publish of this book. So, yeah, I say just hold off a bit. Wait till at least, you know, we have a date and then you can really enjoy it. Yeah, I don't think that date's coming anytime soon. <laughs> I've got to go on a deeper dive. There's got to be something. I don't think there is. I think he might be over it. That was that was like the last thing that I read was that he's kind of like, people are speculating maybe he's just like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. That's a bit rude. <laughs> um, but to also, you know, I've read that book. I've loved that. To get a bit of uh, 
variants, I also have been listening to uh, finally The Binding, Bridget Collins. So I'm not sure if any of you guys have read it or anything. Um, this has been a title that's long been on my list. And I finally wanted to get to it before I read her next book, which I think is either coming out or has come out. Um, but so far, I adore it. I, it's one of those kinds of really beautiful um, concepts that's told in a beautiful way. Obviously, I'm listening to it. That's a little bit different. I really want to reread it to kind of intake the prose. But it's, I know every third book in this genre is compared to The Night Circus, but it's really given me kind of Night Circus, you know, that style of sea uh, vibe in how it's written and just how we flow through, like a kind of whimsical gentleness but there's an undercurrent of you know just maybe a little bit of danger lurking um so yeah I'm not too far in it's a bit of a long listen but I just wanted to bring that out because I know I'm a little late to the party but I'm also loving that one <laughs> there's no such thing as being late to a party with a with any sort of book you're just turning up to the party that is still going when it comes out <laughs> that's the mentality I take about I take it's an all-nighter it's it's an all nighter and an all dayer because I often come to part. That's my excuse because I often get to books so late. Problem uh, is, I want to talk about it, but everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I've, I've yeah, it was good, wasn't it?" No, I let's get into. Sorry, and then to read it next month for book club. So oh, okay. We can have our own little late party about it. That's weird. That's the second time this year that's happened. I've read a um <laughs> leisure, and you've read it for book club. Oh, was that the seven husbands? Oh, yeah. Anyway, Wait. we will talk in a month. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love those recommendations, Ash. Thank you so much once again. Um, and last but certainly not least, I will now throw to the, the consumer of horror himself, Mark Harding. Are we, are we in sci-fi and horror territory again or have you expanded your horizons? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> um, so a couple of books that I'm that I'm kind of reading at the moment. First up is um, Ring by uh, Koji Suzuki. So this is the original Japanese novel that the that spawned the blockbuster movies, um, according to the blurb on the back. Um, and so I don't really need to go over the story. I think we all know what the Ring is about. And um, this novel is basically it. Um, it the Naomi Watts character is male in this book, so I didn't realize they they gender flipped uh, her for the film. Um, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's a very um, dark and disturbing and creepy novel. And I think if you were disturbed by the film in any way, the novel is even more disturbing um, and sinister. And just even like the even the non-horror parts of it, like the parts that aren't dealing with like the supernatural videotape and stuff, there are just nasty characters like on the periphery, which is like, I haven't watched the movie in like 15 years. So I don't remember that being a part of part of the, the films that they that they put out there. But there's there's like nasty characters in a nasty world with a nasty like supernatural thing at the heart of it. So in other words, I'm loving it. It's great. <laughs> Exactly what the doctor ordered, um, but like it, it's been keeping me up at night, and I wasn't so I wasn't expecting that because it's just it's just it's just nice and creepy. So that's Ring, um, which uh, yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, Japanese horror is the best. 
Japanese horror is every experience I've ever had with Japanese horror. It's just they just know where, how to creep you out, and it's amazing. Well, according to the back of this book, there's two more books in the series, so I'm going to pick oh. them and finish this. So, um, and then the second thing that I'm kind of girding myself up to get into is um, uh, I think um, the trailer dropped last week or the week before for the CBS All Access adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand. So I have dusted off my, my old copy of The Stand and I am going to attempt to read all 1,500 pages. That's a brick. Um, <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I forgot it was that long. Wow. Uh, 1,500 pages um, of, of this book. So obviously I've read this before being um, the Stephen King stand that I am. Um, but like the last time I read it, I was a teenager. So that's a good decade. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, the this is, um, uh, for anybody who's a fan of his work and who knows what the, the the kind of the kind of world that King that King writes. What's great about this book is it's a little bit of a, like a nexus of Stephen King's stories. Uh, so for those of you who aren't aware, Stephen King has created this kind of multiverse where the vast majority of his stories take place in the same world and the same timeline, and events from some books spill over into others, and characters kind of pop up and some books are kind of more integral to that multiverse than others but the stand is a really really important one so the main villain in the stand is actually the main villain from the dark tower which is his seven book epic saga of of um kind of all his all his worlds um so i'm very interested to see how the how the tv series um kind of handles handles all that um but it's it's also a timely book um obviously given COVID um, and the disease at the heart of the stand is like COVID um, times a thousand um, is a, a very, very deadly disease. And um, it's uh, it's an American post-apocalyptic epic that kind of, I think, started a very fine tradition of books like that. You know, you've got books like The Passage and things like that, that kind of take the same form of this desolate, you know, American landscape where you have these survivors trudging across it. Walking Dead, I think, is another example of, of something that's kind of spawned out of out of this kind of epic tone, which uh, was first written in the 1970s um, and has just has had uh, this huge this huge legacy. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to kind of getting reacquainted with that world and um, seeing how it um, parallels to to what's going on in our world today. And I just remember like there's there's imagery from the first time I read this that has stuck with me uh, through the years. Um, like, you know, the, the, the desolate, uh, desolated New York where everybody's dead in their cars and the characters have to walk through a dark haunted like Lincoln Tunnel to try and get out into the into the countryside. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to, to get into that. So, yeah. The Ring and The Stand. Amazing recommendations, Mark. Thank you so much. All right. It's that time. You know it. I know it. Don't be afraid, Ash. You'll be okay. It's time for Book Fight. So I wrote... So I... Uh, fun, fun story about this. It was one o'clock uh, this morning. I was sitting in bed and I couldn't go to sleep because of the amount of, of, how, of how stressed and busy we are and I decided I'm going to be really ruthless in with, with today's uh, oh, no. questions um, but and and do question because I know that I'm I've got Liv and Mark on the podcast um, but 
We will try, but I'll make sure it's a lot of fun for everyone. So, give me your buzzers, please. We'll throw to Ash first. Um, I'll just go Ash still. It's so easy. Tried and true. I like it. Uh, Liv? Turtle. Turtle? Yeah, I got a little turtle ornament on my desk. I've been doing Oh, I found the last week. I was like, oh, I remember that. So, turtle. <laughs> and lastly, Mark. Uh, I'll go with King. King. Very nice. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, let's play Book Fight. Question one What is God's final message to his creation in the fourth book of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? God's final message to his creation. His final message, right at the end of the fourth book. Oh, it's been so long since I've read those books. <laughs> it, you hear it a lot in customer service. There's your, there's, oh, ter, yep. Wait, when you say you hear it in a lot, never mind. Um, I do have clues for all of these questions, by the way, because I do worry that some of them might be too difficult. You hear a lot in customer service. Does that mean, like, um, can I speak to the manager? <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 a, not a bad one, uh, but no, unfortunately, that is not the right answer. Mark, do you want to have a crack? Ash? Oh, Ash, yep. Let me try before Mark. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go pretty simple with something like have a nice day. No, unfortunately, that's not it either. So, uh, thank you for shopping with us. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the answer is, in fact, and spoilers to anyone who hasn't read the fourth book, but it's been out for a long time, so frankly, you should have been. You should have read it by this point, is we apologize for the inconvenience. Mm. <laughs> it's, the, it's God's final message to his creation. Uh, Very good. Question. Oh, I think you hear that a lot in customer service. You say that a lot. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Question question two, and this is a question for any Tolkien nerds out there. Oh, come on. All right. How many years was the Silmarillion published after Tolkien's death? Are you serious? <laughs> Turtle. Yep. I'm going to guess ten. Lower. Oh, shit. Five. <laughs> no. So, yep. Seven. No, not that either. Three. No. One. <laughs> Ash, you'll go. All right, I'm going to go four. And you would be correct. Yeah. Ash is on the board. It is, in <laughs> fact, four years. Tolkien died in 1973 and Silmarillion came out a month afterwards, In oh, a, a month to the, to, to the day four years later in 1977. Question three. And this is one for all you Sherlock Holmes fans out there. What was the first Sherlock Holmes story ever published? Oh, what? Oh, no. Oh, I swear I know this. Tell me if you need a clue, because I have clues for all of these, because I clue? was in a clue. It involves a colour. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 King, 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 King. Yep. Uh, 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 study in Scarlet. And you would be correct. A Study in Scarlet, which was published in 1887. Yes, the very I first. I the scandal in Bohemia, and then you said the colour, and I was like, I don't know. 
Yeah. Look, that was my first thought when yeah. because that was the first one I ever I ever read, and I thought, oh, is that? I'm sure it's a scanlibra hemia, but unfortunately, it's not. Um, question four: Who is the protagonist in Patrick Rothfuss's *The Name of the Wind*? Ash. Yep. Oh, I can't say his name. <laughs> if you get close, I'll give it to you because it is you a name. Yes, that's the correct answer. Thank you. We're nearing Thanks. the halfway point, and Ash is ahead. Two points. Mm -hmm. Liv is on, on zero. Mark is on one. Question like five. It. Yeah, you're liking this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Question five. For seven points, oh, what? recite the names of the seven from George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. You get an extra point on offer if you can say them in the correct order. Bold of you to assume I've ever read a Game of Thrones. They're, they're really popular books. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you a clue for anyone who's actually read, uh, who's ever watched the series. They do mention it in the series. These are the words spoken by both the bride and the groom simultaneously at any Westeros wedding. That's that's too that that's too that's hot. Too hot. That's, too hot. that's not what <laughs> season four, mate. That's oh, not. I don't think that's what people remember about the weddings at Game of Thrones. No. No, this <laughs> is true. People die. Rocky, like what, like um, Carl Drogo says to what's her face. Any any it's it's any uh, any weddings that contain less than two deaths are a dull affair. I think is what he said. Uh, no, the answer. Oh, I think that was the the quote, but. Um, I'm assuming that no one knows it. The answer is father, smith, warrior, mother, maiden, crone, stranger. <laughs> Your face, Liv. <laughs> don't worry. Liv, if you don't get this next question, I'm actually going to be personally disappointed in you. Wow. Question six. Which little woman wrote a book? What? Turtle? Yep. Do you mean Louisa May Alcott or do you, or, wait, the, do you mean character? Which little woman wrote a book? Joe Joe March is the correct answer. Yes. So you I am... phrased that very badly. I know. <laughs> it sounded it sounded very misogynistic. Which no. little woman? <laughs> I'm talking about little women. I'm talking about Hey little lady, I heard you wrote a book. That's no. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you, you got it, and you got it straight away. So there we go. Um, question seven. The 2020 International Booker Prize winner, Marie Lucas. Rinechveld, I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Reinveld. Reinveld, thank you. Which country is he from? Uh, Turtle. Yep. They are from the Netherlands. You are correct. And sorry, yes, they. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to be condescending. But... No, that's okay. That's okay. you you got to get it right. Um, so questions. And now we have two more questions left. Currently, Liv is on two points. Ash is on two points. And Mark is on one point. I thought Ash was on four points. No, I'll take it. This is fun. <laughs> I'll shut up now. <laughs> um, question eight. For four points, name name this author. And eight and we can double. I'll double that score if you can name it. If you can name them before I mention their first book title. Mm. Who am I? I was born in India in 1903, but moved to Oxfordshire in England the following year. I grew up as Eric Arthur Blair and struggled at school before moving to Burma in 1922 where I joined the Indian Imperial Police for five years, a period that would influence some of my greatest work. I moved uh, to... Pa mm -hmm. 
Kieran Desai? Nope. Damn. <laughs> but, but that's all right. I moved oh, to wait, Paris. Wait, wait. Yep. Ian Forster? Nope. Damn it. Not either. Okay. It's, yeah. So I moved. Mean, no, no, no. Keep going. I, lo I, love, I love the guesses. It's all right. <laughs> so after being in the Indian Imperial Police, I moved to Paris in 1928 and moved back to England two years later, where I was involved in several schools before picking up a job as a part-time assistant in Book Lovers Corner, a second-hand bookshop in Hampstead. In this, in this time, I published my first novel, Burmese Days, and my first non-fiction novel, Down and Out in Paris and London. In uh, 19... Uh, uh, King, 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 King. Yep. King, King. Is it George Orwell? It is George Orwell. Congratulations. You get four points. My God, he had a mad yep. life. Yeah, and he also he also fought in the Spanish Civil War. He did fight in the Spanish Civil War. That was exactly what I was about to lead to, and which 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 then and at the same time he also published the Road to Wigan Pier. At the same time he was fighting in the Spanish Civil War. Jesus, as you do, cash. You do. And we didn't even get to Animal Farm in 1984 yet. Damn boy. Yeah. All right. So Mark has suddenly jumped into the lead. Um. <laughs> And we have one last question. Um, it is for two points, but to make it interesting, I'm going I'm to make it for three to potentially tie it up. Last question. Name the book that contains this opening line. There was no possibility of taking a walk. That Turtle. Day. Yep. <laughs> Jane Eyre by, um, I forgot what's her name, Charlotte Bronte. And you are correct. So now we have a tie to make things interesting. And I just oh. realised. <laughs> oh. So the standard thing to do would be to go to Booktopia's page oh, and find sure. out what the highest, what the the best-selling book of the week is. Um, and because I'm lazy, I'm going to do that. What's the highest rank? What's the highest book of the week? I don't selling know because they week. haven't sent bestsellers email yet. Um, um, um. <laughs> um is that uh, is that um is it Matthew Riley? My page is just loading, so I'm about to find out if that's true or not. No, turtle. <laughs> is it turtle? Is it? Um, I don't know. So, is it Trent Dalton? All our shimmering skies. It is Trent Dalton. All our shimmering skies. <laughs> you are correct. Sorry, and sorry, Mark. It wasn't. It. Uh, I just saw it just as it came up, and unfortunately, it was not Matthew Riley. He, he just fits into the, the the not so good position of number six. God damn it. Matthew's not performing enough. So we look at... Trent Dalton is still number one. That's Trent, Dalton, Trent Dalton is still number one. Um, so now we will take a look at the scores and, oh, my goodness gracious me, Ash, much better performance with two points. Thank you. Uh, Mark with five. And then Liv won the day, six points. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and that brings that, us... That Jane Eyre question was rigged, by the way. Oh, <laughs> and the Duncan <laughs> Adam question wasn't? Oh, clearly, because I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> there were at least three sci-fi questions in this quiz. Fancy <laughs> questions. I know. I'm such a I'm, a I'm a cruel man. Um, that'll bring us to the end of the weekend Booktopian uh, for this uh, for this week. The weekend Booktopian is produced by myself, Nick Wasiliev, and you can access all of the episodes for this show on our SoundCloud channel, as well as a whole bunch of other podcasts, including our recent interviews with Jacqueline Moriarty, Dolly Alderton, and Dave McAllister. Or if you're listening to this on YouTube, head over and check out our live chat between David Campbell and Jimmy Barnes on Jimmy's new book, Killing Time. We hope you enjoy your weekend. 
and never, ever stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.